I'm so glad to uh, be with you guys today. Uh, this is a great day for people like Craig because the Kansas City Chiefs are still in the playoffs. Uh, not a good day for a lot of you that are Giants and Eagles fans, and we got an honorary Raiders fan back there. Uh, but it's a great day to be with you and celebrate and uh, hear from God's word today. And I'm just glad to be able to lead uh, with this. So let us uh, just kind of center ourselves and uh, just begin with a word of prayer. God, uh, we thank you today for gathering us. We thank you for how great and, and awesome you are, Lord. Uh, we thank you that you are a God that uh, empowers us through your spirit uh, to grow our faith, God, to grow our belief to grow our convictions in who you are. God, you are a God that is near, not far. And we thank you for that today, Lord. And through your word, I pray uh, that we are able to walk out of here empowered and motivated to serve you and know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to be in the book of Peter, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 3 if uh, you want to get there. Uh, if you are not using a handheld device for your Bible, there's Bibles right in the seat back in front of you. Uh, you can use those. But we'll be in verse 18 primarily, and we're going to dive into other parts of that, this chapter. But verse 18 says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Last week, Craig guided us through the beginning of this wonderful series in which we're focusing on growth in our relationship with God. And it's a perfect time to grow, really, when you think about it. Uh, in light of the new year, we all make resolutions and goals for ourselves annually around this time. Maybe it's to live a healthier lifestyle. Maybe it's to pay off student loans. Maybe it's to start a new career. All these things are good. They're good things. They're great things to focus on. I remember a few years ago when my family and I lived in Washington, D.C., my goal was to get back into the shape I was in in the United States Air Force. And in the Air Force, I ran a mile and a half in nine minutes and 20 seconds, which is pretty good. And the thing is about that is that it didn't dawn on me that that's not where I was anymore. Because when I was in the Air Force during that time, I weighed like a buck 50 soaking wet. And now I got what you call my grown man body. So that wasn't going to happen, especially because I wasn't training as hard as I was before. And I found out quickly that I had to start at the beginning again. And it was hard work, but eventually it really paid off. And what I want to focus on today is that the same can be said for our walk of faith. Maybe some of us haven't taken the first step of, uh, of growth, which is to begin a relationship with Jesus by faith through grace. Maybe today you've, you've already taken that step and the growing you need requires more than 
just some simple practical steps to implement into your life. Today, I believe that that God's word will give us all the hope that we need for the road ahead as we establish the growth that God requires in our life and in our heart. Today, we will understand that just a little bit more about what it takes to grow. The Bible will show us especially where to begin. I'm going to pray for us again before we dig any further. Father, show us where to begin. God, you know all the things that are going on inside our heart, inside our mind, and all the things that are going on in our life. You know where there's room for growth. You know where there's room for a little bit of growth. You know where there's room for radical change. Lord, whatever that is today, I pray that myself included and everybody here would be open to the guidance of your spirit to grow in the areas that you would have us grow in so that we, God, may experience and discover the life-changing love of Jesus Christ in our life today. In your name we pray, amen. See, friends, in 2 Peter verse, um, chapter 3, verse 18, Scripture says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It says, to, to him be the glory both now and the day of eternity. Amen. And what I believe is that I believe God makes something abundantly clear for us in this passage that we're reading today. Our faith begins to grow when we understand that the Christian life is about continual growth. At the essence of our Christian responsibility, God has instructed us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, as it says in this scripture in front of us. And so friends, what I'm saying is that we must expect to grow. We do not enter the Christian life lightly. We cannot treat church as a mere social club of sorts. In fact, God says we must expect to grow. You may ask yourselves why. Why this emphasis on growth that God is saying in his word? Earlier on in this chapter, we read this, starting at uh, at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? See, friends, what's going on here is that Peter is addressing some falsehoods about the reality that Jesus is really coming back. There are some believers here, and I believe even among us, it could even be me some days, the way my attitude may be oriented, that are at risk of taking lightly the Christian life. And there are some that, that have placed all their faith and all their efforts on things of this world. We know what those are. Winning championships, getting the promotion, making sure that our nest egg is nice and safe and secure and growing the way it should be. All these things. And Peter is saying, hey, 
all of these things are going away. Don't be fooled by the fact that Jesus hasn't returned yet. He will return. See, friends, these are real people dealing with real life questions and real life issues, just like you and I. I always like to point that out because sometimes we can feel so far removed from these biblical characters that we read about and not realize that that there's something about them that we can connect to. They're real people in history that are struggling with the same things that we're struggling with. And somehow they find the faith to believe that God has the answers for us in his word. Just like us, they ask themselves, what does it look like to wait for Jesus' return? Peter tells them, he tells us really, that while we wait on the return of the king, we must be growing in the grace and knowledge of the king. He is saying that as believers, the expectation is that we live our lives as one that is focused on growing in the knowledge of the one who we worship. That's what he's saying. Friends, I want to hone in on one major reason why God instructs us to grow here. See, as we grow in our knowledge and understanding of him, we deepen our commitment and our love for him. And out of this deep commitment, we love, out of this, out of this deep commitment and love for him, we, we then go. We grow, and then we go and tell the hurting world about the Savior that came to rescue them from the wrath to come, about the Savior that has come and interceded in, in your life, in my life, in major ways, and help orient our attitudes and our heart to things that are much bigger than, than we are and things that are much bigger than the things that we deal with in this world. See, Peter points out that we must not forget that Jesus is coming back. The expectation for those who believe in him is that we grow while we wait. That's what he's talking about. The Christian life is a life of expected growth. Therefore, if we are to take seriously growing spiritually, we must acknowledge first and foremost that for the believer, growth is expected. And secondly, friends, we must establish a plan. There's three things that I think can really be helpful for us as we consider what this looks like in our own life. And these aren't exhaustive, but these are things that I prayerfully considered for us as a flock that I think are supported by God's word. We must, one, commit to change. We must concentrate our efforts. And we must connect to accountability. Firstly, we must commit to change. In Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24, the Bible says this, Search me, O God, and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. And so as we begin to establish a plan for growth in our life, it must start off with a hard look in the mirror. My dad used to tell me that all the time. You got to look at yourself in the mirror. Why? Because when you look at yourself in the mirror, there's nowhere to hide and there's no one to blame. 
you're looking at yourself introspectively and you have to deal with the things that are going on in your heart. A serious look into your heart. The, the psalmist asked God here to search his heart. He is literally crying out to God. He's saying, God, scrutinize my heart. Examine my heart intimately as only you can, God. That's what he's saying. I can picture him just on his knees saying, God, whatever it is that's keeping me from loving you more, whatever it is that's keeping my faith from growing, God, just, just tear it out of me, point it out, expose it so that I will know it. And what we must remember is that the Lord made us. And because he made us, he is the only one that, that can go into our heart and, and know all there is to know about who we are and what we're struggling with and even the things that we love. He knows the good, the bad, and the terrible. Jeremiah puts it like this. He says, but you know me, O Lord. You see me. And you examine my heart's attitude toward you in Jeremiah 12, verse 3. You see, in order to grow, we must establish a plan that includes allowing the one true God to search our heart and expose our attitudes, our motivations, our deepest desires. Because friends, hear me on this. What controls your heart determines your actions. What controls our hearts determines our actions and everything that we dedicate ourselves to. When the psalmist says, search my heart, he is putting his hands up and allowing God to be God. He is giving God the control. He is saying, God, I know you know my heart. I'm asking you to expose to me what is keeping me from growing. What is keeping me from experiencing you and knowing you fully, God? God, God does not need our permission to know our heart. He already does. We know this because he's an omniscient God that knows all things. He wants us to permit him to expose our faults so that we may, may see our conditions, confess our sins, and don't miss this last part, have peace. That's why God wants us to be examining our hearts as we grow. Because as we see our condition and he exposes the nastiness that's in the deep crevices of our heart, the things that, are not, that we're not surrendering over to him, the things that we struggle with when no one's looking, it may be simple things, but when we allow him to do that and we come to him humbly, the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive you because he wants to bring you peace. He doesn't want to bring you wrath. And friends, that leads to exponential growth in the Christian life. We must commit to change by asking God to search our heart. And my question to all of us, including myself, as I was preparing for this week, is have we searched our heart lately? Are there any unconfessed sins holding us back from truly experiencing and following God 
in a way that leads to growth in our Christian walk. And so as you go out this week, consider that. Consider it today. Is there anything that we're holding back? Ask God to expose it. Because ultimately, he wants to bring you peace. And in establishing our plan for growth, we must also concentrate our effort. See, I found that the times that I have aspired to pick up more Bible reading and increase my prayer life and establish family devotional life, be more missional all at one time, it leads to burnout, it leads to guilt, it leads to shame, and it leads to discouragement when you try to put too much on your plate. And it's simply not even biblical. My wife reminded me about this just this week as I was sharing with her some of my thoughts uh, about growing in Christ. She reminded me that even God himself, the creator, took six days to make all of his creation. He focused on a few things at a time And at the end, he always said, it is good. Could the great creator have made the world in one day? Absolutely, if he wanted to. He's all powerful. But I believe that that he shows us a great principle of Christian growth in the creation story, which is, That to grow, we must be focused on a few things and do those things good. Friends, don't go home today and say to your families, okay, from now on, every Saturday, we're going to go volunteer in the Trenton Soup Kitchen. Every Wednesday, we're going to small group, and we're starting to get up at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning to pray. (laughs) It's unsustainable. It really misses the point. And when you plan for growth in your Christian walk, concentrate your effort on that one thing that God has exposed in your heart where you're not letting him in and do that thing good. Then continue to add layers of intimate commitment to your life as as you master the few things that you establish. Because if you try to do too many things at once, You're just going to be discouraged. And God wants you to continually grow. The way we do that is continually coming to him every day and asking him, God, I've done good with this one thing you've told me to work on. Continue to expose my heart so I can continue to surrender my love to you. And in establishing a plan for growth, we must also connect to accountability See, this is where, as the saying goes, you put your money where your mouth is. Do we really want to grow? Because if we really want to grow, then this is where we say, you know what? I'm not going to do this alone. I'm going to do it with someone that I trust, with someone that I know loves Jesus, with someone that I know loves me. Because as we realize that in the Christian life that growth is expected, as we come to terms with the reality that we must be intentional with our growth by establishing a plan that includes committing to change and concentrating our efforts, we must understand that none of this can be possible if we do not establish accountability. 
in May, I'll go to Charlotte, North Carolina to compete in something called a savage race. And it's going to be basically a 10K with more than 20 obstacle courses, which I love doing these things. And the reality is my friend Jerry, he's, he's going to hold me accountable. He's going to make sure that I'm doing the things that I need to do to get ready to run this race well. God knows I'm going to have to do a lot of running because I'm going to be doing a lot of climbing. <laughs> so I got to get lighter on my feet. So friends, the reality that I'm trying to point out here is this, that growth requires accountability. Left to our own devices, we slip and fall away and, and give up on our goals many times if we don't have that one friend that we can rely on, that one mentor in our life to hold us accountable with love. We cannot expect to grow without developing a relationship with a godly mentor who we trust and who loves us to hold us accountable to the goals that we have set before us and that we have made with God. The Bible says this in Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. That is the most practical word that God could give us today about growth, to be quite honest. Get with somebody. Make sure that they know what your plan is. Make sure that they love Jesus even more than you so that they can love you well and hold you accountable. Friends, if we want our plans to succeed, we must allow someone in. And I know that's hard, especially in New Jersey, because we're real cynical, right? We, everybody always has an angle, right? Everybody's always knocking on your door wanting to sell you something. Everybody wants to be your friend because they're trying to get something from you or network and have an advantage. But there's not, everyone's not like that. God has given me the greatest opportunity in the world to get out of New Jersey for some years to realize that there's some godly people out there and there's some godly people here that want to walk with you through heart change, that want to do it with integrity, that want to do it with love, that want to be a true friend to you. So get with somebody who has godly character and has earned the right to speak truth into your life. Who would you trust to walk with you through hard change and tough growth? Consider making this person your person the person that will help you grow into the man and woman that God truly wants you to become. And finally, we must remember to enjoy the journey. The Christian life is a, a constant becoming. In this world, we are to yield more and more each day to the character of God. We are to submit our hearts to him that we may become more like him each day. We are never done growing until we're in front of the king. The Bible says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. See, we can't be discouraged. We must realize that today, today is a time to grow. Right now it is a time to start. If you failed in the past, there's no need to live in shame and guilt and discouragement. There's no need to buy that lie. See, 
I contend that the Bible gives us enough hope and enough direction that God tells us in his word that Satan himself wants to keep us in this lie that we can't change, that we can't grow, that we can't do the hard work that there is to do to become more and more like Jesus. He even says, oh, you can never be that because Jesus was perfect. And to an extent, yeah, you know what? We're never going to be perfect here on this side of glory. But God is working on us right now with each second that we have in this world. And the question is, are we going to allow him in? Are we going to let him do the work that he wants to do to bring us peace, to bring us joy, to truly have us live a fulfilled life that fills us up? Or are we just going to say, you know what? (laughs) Ah, it's too hard. It'll keep us up at night if we do. Scripture tells us that you are being transformed. God is still working on you. He's still working on me. I take great joy in this because I know that in my Christian life, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to know all the answers. I don't have to live this buttoned up life that looks a certain way. God takes me as I am. He takes you as you are. This gives me peace to know that I can make mistakes, to know that I can stumble, to know that I don't have to fix everything in one day because he doesn't require it. There's only one person that had to do that, and he did, and his name is Jesus Christ. When he hung on the cross for our sins, ultimately he paid the price that he could only pay for all the things that we would struggle with and are currently struggling with. That gives me peace, that gives me joy. Because as we grow, guys, we can make mistakes, we can stumble, we can fall. A lot of us are parents. We know that our kids, they they make mistakes, they stumble, they lie, they fall, they do any number of things. But where are we? We're right there to pick them up every time. It's okay, buddy, come on. You're going to get it better tomorrow. Oh, you fell again? Same thing? No problem. You're going to get it better tomorrow. And God is ready for you to commit to growth because he's not keeping a track record. God is still working on me. He's still working on you. And my challenge to us is to enjoy his presence, to enjoy being with his people, to enjoy the life that he's given you, and to enjoy the journey, but to commit to growth in these ways. Let's pray.